Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Hello, everybody. We're back. It is week 50 of the Survey of the Scriptures, and we are in Exodus chapter 35. We're going to start in about verse 30. Moshe said unto Bnei Yisrael, we started here a little bit last week at the end, but I wanted to come back to this. See, Yahweh has called by name Betelel ben Uri ben Hur of the tribe of Judah, And he has filled him with the Ruach of Elohim in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise skillful works to work in gold, silver, and brass the cutting of stones for setting, the carving of wood, to work in all manner of skillful workmanship. And he has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Oholiav ben Achisamach of the tribe of Dan. Them has he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of workmanship of the craftsmen and of the skillful workmen and of the weaver in colors and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any workmanship and of those that devise skillful works. So this is the beginning of the actual putting together of the Mishkan that we've been reading about, God giving the instructions to Moshe on how to do it. So now they're going to start doing it before they, but before they have to, before they can start doing it, they have to be anointed to do it. And I think that's the important thing that I want to focus on is they have been given the Ruach to build the house. And Anybody that's been around me for more than about five minutes, especially in the community of faith, knows that it's my mission to try to help un people understand how to build the house of God in a spiritual sense, that that's what we're doing. That's what we're all called to do. And so I was, I had that vision, that experience that night where I floated over our city. And uh, after, I had heard or read in the scriptures, God basically slapped me upside the face because I wanted to quit and said, You, son of man, show the house of God to the house of Israel. And so that's been my mission. And so Betzalel ben Uri is in the shadow of my light is a son. Or in the image of my light is a son. Does everybody see that? That's, yep. that's good. All right. Mm -hmm. Of the tribe of Judah, of the tribe of Judah. All right. So that to me is a picture of Yeshua on a spiritual level. The guy, the one who is building a house. What did Yeshua say at the Passover to his bride? I go to, to prepare a place for you. There you go. And what did Shaul say? Don't you know that you yourselves are the house of Elohim? Um, multiple places in the living stones. Huh? Living stones. Living stones, multiple places where we are building up. And of course, that anchor scripture in Acts 15, where Yaakov tells the congregation, this is what was spoken by the prophet. We are rebuilding the fallen sukkah of David. So we are in a building process. I preached on this just a couple of weeks ago, three or four times, I think. I mean, you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but we've got to get busy on it. You know, You're I, want, not tired I, want, of hearing it. I, I want the roof on. I want to be done with this edifice so we can go home. <laughs> All right. 
And so it all has to be done by the power of God because this is this is a physical building, a physical cloth edifice that they're going to build, but it's being done with spiritual power. Okay? And I understood this, and this might be, this might sound goofy to some people, but that's okay. I'm goofy anyway. Um, but yeah. 30 years ago, right at 30 years ago, almost exactly, um, I took a job. And it was, it was you know, I, I met the guy in November, right after Thanksgiving. Uh, he, he mentioned he might hire me. I was quitting my job. I just quit my job that day, as a matter of fact, or the day before. And I meet this guy in the gym that I went to high school with and he started a company and, uh, he mentioned maybe hiring me. This was in November and I had just quit my job because I'd just gotten married and the, and the job I had shipped me off to new Orleans. And I didn't want to be gone because the word of God says, when you marry, stay at home for a year with your woman and make her happy. I had to learn how to be a married man. I don't want to be gone. So I quit my job and didn't have one. My dad thought I was a fool. And I meet Anthony, this guy that I went to high school with, and he mentioned hiring me. And that didn't happen until March. But when I went home and told Melanie about it after the gym that day, she said, that's your job. Because we'd started praying about it. You know, just got married. We're barely a month married. And I quit my job. <laughs> you know, Trouble. <laughs> yeah. And uh <laughs> uh, we go to March and we get down to, we get down to literally eating out of an ashtray. And that's another story. Um, and God does a miracle and gives us one more shot of money from miraculous places. And then the next thing you know, he calls me after God spoke to me, I believe that night, you know, and said, you're going to get a call tomorrow. That's going to change your life at three o'clock, blah, blah, blah. I'll have to tell the whole story someday. And I got the job. And the reason I'm saying that is because I was six months into that job and I didn't think I was going to learn anything or make it. And we, we're sitting in Thompson, Georgia, and I look at a guy across from me that, that, I, I, that our, our lives had, had sort of met once before. And that's another story as well. Um, I went, Meh, and he said, you know, I, he still would laugh about that today if I went, Meh, because we're sitting in Thompson, Georgia. I'm lost as a goose. And I came home from that trip and I asked God to anoint me to do this job because I was winging it. I didn't, I was doing the job of an engineer and I only, I didn't have an engineering degree. I was fresh out of the Navy. Um, and I asked God to anoint me to do that job. And lo and behold, the boss comes back from a trip he's on. When he abandoned us in Thompson, Georgia, he goes to Chicago. We get back. The project is flailing. He shows me this thing and says, can you do this? And I said, I'll give it a shot. And the short story is, is that in within a year, I won a graphics design competition beating out Mercedes and Dow. And I mean, I'm talking big time companies. This little redneck from East Texas won the thing. And, oh, rednecks. And yeah, and, and go <laughs> anointing because I honestly believe. The yeah, that's a good I believe God gave me that ability to do that because I didn't formerly have it. It was unknown to me that I could do it. And the next thing you know, I'm winning that competition four years in a row. Nice. So, and, and my graphics going around the world, you know, 
um, used in advertisements. And, and you know, it was it, it, it is a thing is the point that I'm trying to say is that God does give you, he backs your natural ability with his own spirit for his purposes, okay? Those applications weren't important. All of them are probably decommissioned by now. But it's the people I met when I was doing it that was important because I touched everybody at that company that I was at. Um, at some point, I ministered to every last one of them. Several of them got saved. We helped one of them find their wife who was a believer. That's the point that I'm making is that God is in the business of giving people the ability to do things. All right, Joe, what you got? Well, thank you for that story because that's pretty awesome. And it's what I've, what I've thought about as I've matured in, in my understanding of scriptures, because when I was a baby learning scriptures, put it that way, it's like, I, even then I thought, how did these people know how to build these grandoise things? Like they were slaves in Egypt. They were making bricks out of mud and straw. You know, yeah. how did they know how to do this stuff? And the only answer is that they were inspired by the Ruach. That's the they only were, way. They possible. were given the abilities. It just, it's just sort of fell in their lap. It came to them. Right. And, and um, God can do that today. I mean, he still, if I allow him, he helps me play better on piano. Um, you know, when I write, I know that it's him helping me sew up the words in a certain way. Um, you know, when I teach, I know that it's him giving giving me guidance to my mind so that I can, you know, sensing when people don't understand something, being able to help them understand it better. There's a there's a supernatural element to it, even though it's being done in the natural realm. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Okay. It does take a natural brain and some some common sense and some smarts, you know, and I know that that Betzalel had that about him probably, but then God gave him what was supernaturally needed in order for it to be what God wanted it to be and not what Betzalel would have wanted it to be. You get what I'm driving at? So yep. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm trying to toot the, 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 the horn of the Lord who, who, who right. gives us these right. abilities sometimes. Okay. So, and it's done. He filled him with the Ruach of Elohim, the breath of Elohim, the, the, powerful life-giving breath of Elohim, the spirit. And people, certain people teach that the spirit of God did not come to anybody until after Yeshua right. rose from the dead. Until Acts. Yeah. And there is a level of truth to that, but unfortunately that blanket statement is erroneous. Okay. Mm -hmm. And is, let me ask you this, is, is Bezalel a prophet? Uh, I would say no. No, he's not. But look at that. Because there are other powers of the spirit, right? And right. Here's one. Because you go. Here's one. And here's one. Right. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are all powers of the Ruach HaKodesh. How do I know that? This is review because we covered it. Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, list 
the powers of the Ruach HaKodesh. It's also in our Amidah. Yep. So he gave him Chokhmah, Binah, and Da'at. Those are three powers of the Ruach HaKodesh. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. All right? So this house is being built by the hands of men through the mind of God. And that still has to be how we build. If we're going to, if we're going to, if they're going to build a cloth tabernacle that would house the ark, what should we be doing building people tabernacles to house the Ruach HaKodesh? Amen. We better be doing it that way and even better, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, by my estimation, we don't. You know, and when I say we in that context, I'm talking about the body of Messiah worldwide at large. A lot of times, too too often nowadays, I think it's being built on human principles. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it. And, you know, and maybe I've swung the pendulum too far the other way. And that's why we're just as tiny as we can be. But my conscience won't let me do it other ways. Tiny but mighty. Yeah. Tiny but mighty. Hallelujah. Don't do it no other way. And to devise skillful work, the cutting of stones for setting, the carving of wood, all the manner of skillful workmanship. He's put in his heart that he may teach. That's important. So the ability that God gave Bezalel and Aholiav came with an, an ability to teach. Let's look at 34. Ulehorot Natan Belibo. Lehorot. To teach. If I'm not mistaken, that is part and parcel to Torah, which is instruction. Mm-hmm. Remember, everything is a verbal root. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's the root. You stick a, a tav in front of it, that makes it a feminine noun. And the head goes away, it moves to the end. Lehorot is not, it's not to teach in the classroom way, it's to instruct. It's practical, mm. hands on yeah. instruction. Are you with me? And that's what the Torah is. All right. So, this is the, ver- the verb of the word Torah is the point that I'm making. Powerful. Mm. So he gave, he put it in his heart. God has put in his heart that he may teach. All right. Gave in his heart. To teach. People that want to teach God's word, that God did not put it in their heart to, to do that, are just teaching a book academically. And that happens all the time. I had 
good professors and bad professors in Bible college. I had a couple that were genuine that I knew, knew God. And then I had some who were absolute academic charlatans who were just in it for the academia of it. And they didn't know God. They acted like they were cruel and mean and almost racist toward me just because I wore a star David. Didn't say a word. Didn't mention anything. Wasn't wearing a kippah or TTO. Just wore a star David and they treated me like a Jew. And I, I hate to say it that way, but that's how they treated me. Wow. And and I don't believe for a second that they know God, even though they they prove to the academic world that they know the Bible. And uh by the, way, knows the Bible. Exactly. <laughs> and so to actually teach the word of God under the ability of the word of God, it has to be put in, in that person by God to actually do the teaching. I don't think that um well, you look at most of the people in the scriptures who were who were prophets and who were leaders and teachers, they they were pushed into it by God. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't go seeking it. They didn't go seeking it. They didn't, you know, and, and they I didn't, didn't want their name on the on, on the building out in front. Exactly. So so that to me, that's what you look for in a genuine teacher of the word of God is someone who does it because can't, you know, it's kind of like Jer Jeremiah. There's a fire in my bones. I can't, I can't, ha I have to do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You well, can ask my wife how many times over the years I've said, I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it anymore. And she's like, but can you quit? People <laughs> <laughs> like me and Tracy and Albert bugging you all the time. <laughs> like, Come on, man. <laughs> No, it, you know, it's, I feel unsuccessful a lot, you know, I mean, you know, here, here we sit 25, 30 years into this and there's what, 15 people, you know, it's like, well, what am I wasting my time for, you know, how many people you've touched? Exactly. So, so you know, you've touched so many people. Exactly. You've touched a lot of people. They're just not in your presence. You touched a lot of people. I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> But uh, well, for each, for every one of us that have learned and have grown closer to Abba and have come to revere and honor him and Yeshua the way that we have for each one of us, that's mm -hmm. pretty immeasurable. Well, yeah, and I appreciate that. And I, yeah. I appreciate it. I wasn't fishing for compliments. I was no. just expressing that, you know, I get discouraged sometimes, but the impetus to do it is from God. Well, mm -hmm. and that's an, that is that is actually that's a praise to God. That's a recognition yeah. of what he's doing through this ministry. And it, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, to so God put it in his heart to instruct. All right. Uh, them has he filled with wisdom of heart. All right. So both of them, Oholiav ben Achisamach which by the way, his name means, let me see if I can get this in the best word order. Um, my happy brother is a son in my father's tent. Hmm. Wow. All right. That's basically what his name means. And so he put wisdom of heart in both of them. So Bezalel has wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. 
and they, have they both have wisdom of heart. All right. To work in all manner of workmanship, the craftsman, the skillful workman, the weaver, colors in blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen, and of the weaver, even of them that do many any workmanship, and of those that devise skillful works. And I finally see it in the transliteration, Achisameach. There you go. The words, Achisameach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Questions or thoughts or comments about that. So keep keep in mind going forward as we look at all these things that they are being built by and through the Ruach HaKodesh. And they've been given the ability to give that ability to the people actually doing it with their hands. All right. So this is a very, the point that I'm making is that what we're about to read about in the actual building of the tabernacle is a very spiritual process. And I believe it, it, that we can learn from it on how better to build in the body of Messiah, in the tabernacle that we live in, which is a temporary tabernacle, by the way. It's, it's getting these vessels of flesh lined up, <laughs> fixed right, and uh, knitted together properly. And that, that's the hard part. And that's speaking from 30 years of experience of trying to get people, you know, you talk about herding cats. <laughs> it's worse than herding cats, I think. So I'm going to go to, if I can remember exactly where to go. <clears throat> We're going to go to Ephesians. Efficient. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start here in 19. Thus, from henceforth, you are neither strangers nor foreigners. He's talking to the Ephesians who are Gentiles. And he's telling them the, the mechitza has been broken down. The dividing wall in the synagogue that's between the Jew and the Gentile has been broken down figuratively. And I believe literally in the realm of the spirit, that's been broken down. And so Gentiles have come into the court of Abraham, and we are one people. That's the point that he's making here. And he says, you are fellow citizens with the holy ones, the Kedoshim, the children of the house of God. That's the Jewish people. So you're fellow citizens with them and your children with them. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the Shlichim, the sent ones, and the prophets, including Moshe, who is the prophet to the Jewish man, right? Okay. And then Yeshua HaMashiach himself being the cornerstone of the building. It grows into a Heichal Kadosh, a holy temple, a holy place of worship in Yahweh. You also are built up by him for a Mishkan, a sanctuary, uh, a, a glorified place of Elohim through Haruach, through the spirit. 
there's another place, and I forget where it is, where this same concept is being described. And he says, and I think it's in Ephesians 4, but I don't want to chase it, um, that we are being fitly joined together, like sinew on bone or something to that, words to that effect, that's being knit together like a body. And you're going to see that same kind of description in the tabernacle, how the pieces and parts have to perfectly fit together. Okay. So the skill that was used in order to make these curtains, how many of you, first time you build a sukkah, had problems with it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every time have to say I haven't built one yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I built the first sukkah and it toppled over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't anointed to build a sukkah. <laughs> I just, maybe I should have prayed for the anointing to build it. My first well, sukkah was a piece of junk. <laughs> it, it got us through Sukkot, but it didn't work very well, you know. And uh, the point that I'm making is the thing that they built lasted for 40 years. I know you said you don't want to chase it, but I'm seeing Colossians 2.19. This is a new King James from the Google Gadget. <coughs> uh, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is, and that's why I lose it. Yeah. Sound familiar? That could be it. Colossians what? Uh, 2.19. We could go look. I, there may be more than one place where it has language mm -hmm. to that effect, but we'll look. Yeah. It was also in Ephesians 4.16. Uh, Ephesians 4 is where I thought, so let's look there. Mm -hmm. first. Ephesians 4. I don't want to make a rabbit trail, but since you're here. Yeah. Well, I, no, I'm glad because I, I, I do want to hammer it home. It is through him that the whole body is closely and firmly united at all joints, according to the measure of the gift which is given to every member. So the unity, the unification, the fitness of the joining together is according to the measure of what? The gift. What gift? Ruach. 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 The same gift that was given to Bezalel and Aholiav. So the unification of the body of Messiah is dependent on the Ruach HaKodesh. Mm -hmm. Without the Ruach, we're just people in a club. And I don't want that. I don't want to just be part of a social club. I could, I've told people before, I could have more fun in, in in the bars with people that are not so bent on judge judging everybody, you know, um, I don't want that. I want genuineness of, of, of the spirit of God. You know, yes. I want to share that with others and I want them to share it with me and be open and honest with me. And, and it's hard to achieve because people are looking for something else. I think, um, and so all of us have to pray for more, either of the awareness of the Ruach that, that is in us or an, an increase in the amount of the Ruach that is in us. And certainly we all need to pray that every one of us have it in the Amen. first place. Amen. Amen. Right? Yes. And, and there's so much misinformation about the Ruach today out there. Yeah. Among believers, they think that uh, the Ruach is represented by Shandai Rondai or 
or you know the, the the prophecies that people put out there or the goosebumps that they feel or the weeping that they do when music comes on and and some of that sometimes is actually the ruach but a lot of that is just human stuff emotion. yeah human emotion and manipulation mm-hmm. and hypnosis there's all kinds of things at play in that what you got joe i just wanted to ask and make sure that since Alicia is new, I wanted to make sure she understood what we mean when we say Ruach or Kodesh in some of these terms. Well, she's new to you, Joe, but she's not new to us. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Okay. I've been, I have been studying the Torah for many years. Actually, I started with Daniel when, in the <laughs> other place, and uh, and I, I got introduced to um, to uh, the Torah fully, and um, for some personal reasons, I I stop attending but i continued reading on my own and i speak spanish so i joined some um on the internet some um uh groups from mexico and i you know i continue so yes i know the basics of uh of, yeah i i know but thank you so okay. much for, for uh for your concern and, and I, I should have introduced y'all joe i didn't i, I left you flailing there yeah, yeah no, I just no, I, all I know is we had a new person join us, and I, I just want to make sure they're not. And I I knew the Hebrew class was a, was advanced for her, and so I was like, well, I'm just hoping that we, <laughs> you know, break some terms up to speed. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. So. Well, no, the the, uh, the Hebrew, <laughs> I, I don't know Hebrew, so I'm going to start right now. But um, you know, the Torah, I'm familiar with the basics, and um, and I learn every day. So, and I was reading the books that I showed before, and I have. Um, well, actually, the uh, the same book that we use in the I still have it, but I'm going to get a new version. So, yeah. so yeah. But I thank you so much for your concern. But I I understand what what is Daniel explaining. Thank you very much. Okay, dope. We're gonna move okay. on. Okay. So I've been putting my hand up like thirty times. Uh, oh, well, it's well, that's the problem. It's black. I can't see it. Hey, you gotta you gotta put your black eyes on, boy. Get your black eyes on. You gotta put a flashlight on that hand. Oh, get your black eyed peas on. You gotta use my Homer Simpson. <laughs> Look, um, you mentioned Mishkan. Mishkan is the, the tabernacle or the temple. All right. Yeah, so let's let's look at that. So that was that was in the if Ephesine scripture that we looked at in chapter two, I believe. Was it or was it in chapter four? I just saw it. It was in four. No, it was it was before that. It was in before we went to Ephesians. Before we went to the second Ephesians and Colossians. It was okay. We went it, was, there. it was in chapter two. Yeah. Because you said Michigan, I said, wait a minute. All right, so yeah. So the first one said Hehal Kadosh. Hehal is basically a building. It's literally what it means. But in, in this context, it's a religious building. So it's the whole thing. It's the whole temple. The Mishkan is the sanctuary. Shahan means the dwelling place. Okay. So Mikdash Miat. Mikdash is a set-apart place, which is more fitting probably a sanctuary. So 
So, Hechal uh, and Mikdash are more closely related than would be Mishkan, because Mishkan is from Shachan, which is the the presence of God that comes down. So, okay. So the it's it's the settling of Elohim, the place where He puts His ruach, is Mishkan. Mikdash is the set-apart place, coming from Kadash, which means to consecrate, to set apart for a purpose. So all of them refer to the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a different way. It's kind of like we say temple, synagogue, church, although church is sort of rooted in some other stuff. Um, You know, office. uh, We have different words, house, home, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same concept, but there's deeper meanings in the other, you know, Hechal being a building, Mishkan being the settling place, the, the place of the settling, if you will, of God in particular, and Mikdash being consecrated for a purpose. So, yeah, it's all of that. Is that clear as much? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay. All right, 36. Betzalel and Oholiav shall work and every wise-hearted man in whom Yahweh has put wisdom and understanding. Look at there. So he gave, they gave them wise hearts and then God put in them wisdom and understanding to know how to work all the work for, look at that, the consecrated service. Melechet avodat hakodesh. I want you to learn this word right here, malechet. Why is my, here we go. Malechet, do you see it? Yeah. Does it sound familiar? King, melech. Melech, king, exactly. So malechet is the work of building a kingdom. You could say. Obviously, if you look in a dictionary, it's not going to say that, but it is work and it's regular work. It's but in this context, Melechet Avodah, Avodah is work. So this almost looks redundant. So it's work and service that it's translating work and service. Do you see that? Yeah. But Avodah today in, in Israel means a job. So it's work. All right, but so is melechet, but you don't say job when in Israel, when you say I'm going to work or I'm going to get a job, you don't say melechet. All right, but when God says you must cease from all your work, God ceased from all his work, it was kingly work. That's kind of the point that I'm making. So melechet is specifically work for the kingdom. I'm going to assert that, yes. There'll probably be people that disagree with me, but I think there is a reason that the that the root word of king and reign and rulership is in that particular work word, because he tells us to stop doing our malechet avodah, the service of our work, which is us building our own little financial kingdoms when we get to the Sabbath. This is what he tells us to stop doing. Okay. Um, so yes, I'm going to assert that on another level, that's exactly what he's talking about. 
And did not God say that he would make them a mamlechet koanim? A mamlechet, yes. A kingdom of priests? That's the same word. You just stick another mem on there and you've got kingdom. Mamlechet. Mamlechet. Yeah. So can you say that again? The mamlechet used to refer to the priests? Or... He said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests over in Exodus okay. 19. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so it's the same root word. Melechet Kodesh. The, the work of the holy kingdom is the way that you could translate that. All right. And when you guys understand that Kadash means set apart for a particular purpose, suddenly this takes on a little bit more of a, a meaning, doesn't it? Kodesh. Avodata Kodesh. The holy work of the kingdom for a purpose. All right. And I think the thing that I'm trying to drive home with you guys is that to, to have a, the purpose of God in your mind when you're trying to do work for him, you know, that you, you're not just fulfilling your duty toward God, you are advancing his kingdom, you're spreading the boundaries of his light into the darkness. That's that's got to be our driving purpose. Yes, amen, amen, yes. Mm. And <clears throat> if you have attempted to do that in any measure, then you probably already understand it's a fight. Yes, it is. It's a colossal fight, especially hard. It's harder now than, you know, I, I've been at it for 30 years. More than that, if you count the time when I started when I was 11 years old, saving, you know, trying to save my friends around me and managed to save some of them. And they're still serving in the get today. And the ones that didn't accept it are dead. And, you know, it seems harder now even though I have a whole lot more information at my disposal and knowledge at my disposal, it's a whole lot harder now to get people to see God in all the cacophony of noise and religious junk that's out there. It's a whole lot harder now. And the, the, the uh, spiritual battles have become. They're gargantuan. They're gargantuan. Yes. Yeah. It's, it is a colossal fight and, it, and we're always outnumbered yeah. and and uh, we we get hit with physical and, and, and financial and all kinds of other stuff when we're trying to do the spiritual. And we're fighting against prophecy of what we know is going to happen. And we know there's going to be few who accept it. And so we have to learn to accept that. Oh, I do. But at the same time, we can't allow. We can't give up. We yeah. can't give up. We have to advance the kingdom. Well, and, yeah, and I think. In messianic practice, you're rejected by Christianity because they think you're Jewish. And yep. you're, you're rejected by the Jewish community because they think you're Christian. Shelly, <laughs> Shelly, like, I, I, I just talked to a, a pastor not long ago, and I told him this. So I have an extended family. I've got my Christian family and my Jewish family, but I'm hated by both because I'm like a stepchild to each one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, that's, that's the truth of it. And, and the, the, uh, the, the, 
what I'm trying to communicate, hopefully that we can all get a better appreciation for is coming together in the work, coming together, being knit together, being fitly joined together in the kingdom is how we win. You know, um, you know, lots of guys like the 300 movie, um, a, a lot of them because of, you know, the awesome physiques that these guys have and the, and the, they, they, they died valiantly, you know, 300 men fighting multiple thousands of Persians, which is a true story. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is how they survived that long. And it was, they were tightly joined together. They were in a phallic symbol. They were, they, they were in a triangle shoulder to shoulder. And they, and when they broke apart, they always had a guy at their back, always had a guy at their back. That's how the Spartans fought. And a lot of the other Greeks took it up is they, they never fought one-on-one -on -one with another person. They had a guy directly at their back and they moved in a circle and they fought and they could take down a bunch of people, not letting anybody between them. And those two guys slept together usually on the battlefield and tended each other's wounds. And it was almost like a marriage. That's how tight they were. And it's not a homo thing. A lot of people think it was, but it wasn't. And, and uh, it was a survival thing. It was a survival thing. And it was a way to win the war, you know? Yeah. And, and that's how we as believers in Messiah have got to start thinking is I've got your back, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and even when you're not looking at your back, I've got it, you know? Yeah. And it, and yeah. if we start doing that and thinking that way in prayer, we're going to see change. And I believe we are. Um, we're going to see advancement. We're going to see growth in the kingdom in a real way, not in a, not in a frivolous way where it's all about numbers, but in a way where the body is strong and where the light shines and where people walk in and they genuinely see the glory of God. That's what I pray for. What you got, Joe? Well, I didn't want to bring this up because I didn't want it to be like, look at what I'm doing kind of stuff. Right. You know, you know, you know where I'm going, mm -hmm. but, but based on what you're talking about, a part of my daily prayer is, is for Abba to make us, ichad, me and my family, ichad, make Dash Mayat, ichad, and all true believers around the world, ichad, just as Yeshua prayed his own self, Make them echad as you and I are echad. That's right. Uh, let them be one in us, he said, echad banu. So in, in order for us to be one in Messiah and in the Father, we have to be in the Messiah and in the Father. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to be in the Messiah and in the Father, we have to be one. We can't come in there pointing the finger at each other. You know, God don't allow that stuff in his courtroom. Right. You know, and um, how to achieve that across the various denominational boundaries. Dude, I don't know. You, you got to set you, you have to set your own self aside. Well, you do. And, and but the, the point that I'm making is we can create our unity. And then. I'm going to pray that that other people around the world are praying for that same unity and we will recognize it when it's there. Even if we disagree on minor little stupid things, why argue over them? Right. You know, yeah. um, we have to agree on the major tenets, most of all, that none of us are any better than any other person. 
you know, and, and your perspective on a verse is not more important than my perspective on the same verse. As long as I'm not egregiously committing sin over it, you know, we ought to be able to talk about it civilly. But we don't have that in the community of faith. It's chaos. It's like Mad Max out there in the world of faith. Yep. It really is. And I don't want that. So, um, so we as a body have to start thinking, I think, about being unified with one another uh, more than we ever have been because this world is going crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes, it is. You know, Daniel, the way the way I, I see it um, from the uh, medical or science, scientific point of view is that uh, I finally I, I understood and I use the analogy to myself to help me to conceptualize what you're saying and to practice it. It's like a God, you know, it's like a big cell, you know, and, and God is the nucleus and uh, we are the cytoplasm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, the the organisms the or the organs in this in the inside of the cytoplasma they have different functions, mm-hmm. and uh, but they're all together. If yep. the cellular membrane breaks, the cell is dead. Okay? Right. So, so yeah. the the same thing with us. You know the uh, uh, the messianics. You know we we must think as a cell. And we need to be all inside of this, this uh, membrane cell, this cellular membrane, so we can function and we can deliver the light, you know, because we're supposed to be the uh, lamp, the lamp, lamp stand uh, to deliver the light to the rest of the world. That's, and right. that's, that's the way I, I put it in my mind. So I can't every day, I can do my my job, you know, and I can serve. And the membrane that holds that cell together is the Rukh and Kodesh. Yep. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Thank you for adding that. Yes. Shoal uses, uses that same analogy on a macular level, if that's the right word, versus a micro level. He goes big with it instead of going small with it. But he says, uh, I mean, if, if he's seen, I think, no, I'm in 1 Corinthians 12, um, there are various powers, and we're talking about the powers of the Ruach Kodesh, but it is the one Elohim who works all things in all men. So it's not God, it's not Daniel doing what Daniel's doing. It's God doing what he's doing through Daniel. Yeah. And it's God doing what he's doing through Tracy and through Joe and through everybody. And I don't for a moment think that I'm the only one that God works through. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have accused me of that in the past, but that's not the case. All right. I understand this, all right? But there is an order in the body of Messiah and he's at the top and not the rabbis over there in Jerusalem or over there in Babylon. You know, that's my only role is to make sure we're eating the right food, you know? Uh, But a manifestation of Haruch is given to every man in order to help him. For to one is given in Haruch the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge. These are some of the same spirits that we just read about in Bezalel. Of the same ruach to another absolute trust that's emunah, faith, firm, continuous belief in in the same ruach to another gifts of healing in the same ruach to another working of miracles to another nevuah which is prophecy to another the means to discern spirits to another different languages to another the interpretation of languages but all of these are wrought in one and the same ruach 
dividing everyone severally according to his will. So the Ruach is the one who divides it according to God's will. And I see that in the picture of the menorah. God's the one lighting the menorah. He uses the same lamp for every single wick. It's the same source of fire for every single wick. He distributes it according to his will, right? Mm -hmm. right. For as the body is one and has many members, so these, he's talking about the physical body, and, and our doctor here was just talking about it on the molecular level, the cellular level, and now we're talking about it on just the body itself, the human body. It has many members, but all the members of the body, even though they are many, they are one body. So also is Mashiach. So Messiah is one body. Basar. That's why Besorah is so important. The gospel. The good news of Messiah is his body. And that is both the physical body that he died and rose in and the spiritual body that he shares with us, which is connected by the life of God itself. And people, people think of that on such a skewed level. They don't understand that if we, if we really believe this gospel that we believe, and we have to trust that the same breath of God that's inside of me that brought that into my mind, brought, brought, brought the knowledge of Yeshua into my mind, is in the other guy who confesses that Yeshua is the son of God. That's mm -hmm. why I try to teach you guys to get a real confession out of people of what they actually believe concerning Yeshua. Yes. You guys have to learn to do that and, and be determined to do that, especially with people who come into our congregation. If they don't have a confession that Yeshua is the son of God, a human being risen from the dead that was sent from God and is not God come down to earth and became a baby, but that, uh, that he is the son of God sent to earth by God, died as a human being, rose again and stands next to God as a human being. If they can confess that, then the same very power that is in me is in them. And that should be enough to unify us. That's what we're looking for, for the unity. That's the, that's the, hello, kitty. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the union. That, that we're seeking, then, and, and, and that is one body. And so, if you took it to a cellular level, you know, we're cells in that body, we're limbs in that body. However deep with the analogy you want to go, unity is is the key. That's why I don't like Trinity. Trinity is not unity. Trinity is three. God is one who is who is manifested in Yeshua and in the Ruach Hakodesh. Okay. And he's one with his son. He's not, he's not his son. He's one with his son. He's unified with his son. He's unified with us in the same very way. All right. For all of us are immersed in one ruach into one body. Whether Jews or Aramaeans, I cannot stand, you guys know this, I cannot stand two-house doctrine. I hate it. Whether you deem Jews or Aramaeans, Gentiles. We're, we are immersed into one body. There's no house of Israel over here and house of Judah over here and house of Gentiles over here and black Israel over here. and the, all, all of that is man-made garbage. Every it last is. minute. And I'll go to my deathbed shouting that. It's garbage. Man-made garbage. You're absolutely right. I don't, I don't understand how they get around uh, verses like this when they, when they have those beliefs. Because they think 
I, I you know, honestly, it's pride. That's all it is. It's it's the it's the pride of flesh. Whether bond or free, we have all received through one ruach. The body is not one member, but many. And this is kind of what Alicia was telling us that on a cellular level, a cell is made up of multiple things, but it's one thing. It can't function unless the whole thing is there. Right? All right. For if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I'm not a part of the body, is it therefore not a member of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it therefore not a member of the body? If the whole body were eyes, where would the hearing be? What a monster that would be. And that's the way the body of Messiah thinks right now. Everybody thinks they're a prophet. Yeah. yeah. Everybody thinks they're a prophet today. Yep. Oh, my gosh. And, Who are you and, talking and, to? And people go around even saying, like, at, at certain churches that I used to frequent, the prophet or prophetess, so-and-so, yep. will be coming to speak to us. Uh, come on now. It's you know almost I mean? like a red flag sometimes now, Joe, when you hear somebody, oh, you have to hear what so-and-so said, prophet, prophet so-and-so and prophetess. I'm like, oh, man. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you, nothing will cause me to run faster. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> say, you got to hear this prophet. I don't want anything to do with it. Because most of the time, it's man-made, it's gobbledygook, it's nonsensical, it's yep. always the same language, yeah. it's always very vague, the same, the same tone, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's sickening to me. Not everybody is an eyeball, you know, not everybody is that important. <laughs> and the funny thing is, not a one of them even attempts to keep Torah. Exactly. And that's, that's the main reason I won't listen to them, because if they can't get right the day of the week that God said to meet on, yes, we're done. That, that one very basic thing, <laughs> I, I, I might listen to you if you had that. <laughs> yeah. All right. If the whole body were eyes, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now Elohim has set every member in the body as it has pleased him. Mm-hmm. Him, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now they are many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the hand say to the feet, I have no need of you. I'm not going to say to my Christian brother that thinks differently, even though I just said I'm not going to follow somebody unless they're, as a prophet, unless they're, first of all, keeping the Sabbath, because the prophets of God all kept the Sabbath, including Yeshua. Yeah. That's not me saying that I'm not going to listen to a Christian and appreciate his faith. But what I am going to do is qualify it and find out who do you really believe in? Mm -hmm. Who is your Yeshua? Yes, exactly. All right. I do have to know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if I can find that out, I'm not going to say I don't need you unless you meet with us on the Sabbath. I, I'm willing to be friends and brothers with anybody. And I've got good believing friends out there you know that i'm happy to fellowship with i'm not going to go into their churches but i'm happy to fellowship go eat dinner with them you bet there's I, i'm thinking three or four guys right away that i would meet with them right now if they wanted to i actually had a guy a couple of weeks back i hurt my back and he uh he's a he's a christian preacher he says can i pray for you i said by all means i'll take all the prayer i can get that's right 
So, um, but rather those members of the body which are considered to be weak are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, we, we bestow more abundant honor. So the people who are behind the scenes and don't ever seem to get much glory ought to be the ones we're glorifying. I can think of several right now. One of them's not on the call. I wish he were. Ray. Yeah. Ray ain't looking for nobody's glory. No, Ray's awesome. You know? Yes, he is awesome. And I'll sing that guy's praises until the day I die. That is a beautiful spirit right there. I'll never yes. forget the first time I saw him worshiping. I was singing. I was leading the singing with my wife, and I about broke down crying watching him worship. And he wouldn't ask me to tell anybody this. He probably doesn't even know. I've told him before, but he probably doesn't even know how I perceive him. You know, probably upset if he hears about you saying it now. <laughs> yeah. So um, we bestow more abundant honor on those kinds of people. And the parts that are uncomely, we dress with greater care. In other words, someone that has made a mistake, we don't expose them. We cover their, we cover them over with grace. Uh -huh. Grace. Yes, thank you. Mm. <clears throat> Our comely parts have no need for attention, but Elohim has so tempered the body together and has given greater honor to the member which is inferior that there may be no discord in the body. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. That would be very nice. <laughs> and I'm talking worldwide. That yeah. would be so nice. Mm. Well, think about all of the self or the, the, the self-proclaimed believers in the world that sit by idly, quietly, and let all this junk in the world happen, and they don't even speak out against it. Yeah. That's one thing there. I mean, how much different would the world be? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that's been kind of ruminating in the back of my mind about, you know, my commentary on the election is, you know, yeah, okay, so you know, the right made a little bit of a comeback. Um, but guess maybe. what? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But maybe. guess what? Almost 50% of Texas voted for a charlatan, a horrible yes. person. Almost 50% of Texas voted for that man. Yeah. Our focus can't be politics, politics, politics. Our focus yeah. has to be save people, save people, save mm -hmm. people. Yeah, man. That's what we have to be focusing on is get them to the truth yeah. and then let God help them make up their mind about who to vote for. Yeah. yeah. You know, but this country is stinking rotten because it's turned from God. That's yeah. the reason. You're absolutely right about that. You know, I was talking to Jeb the other day and it, it, it kind of, and this isn't where Jeb was going, but it kind of gets on my nerves when people continue to uh, say little things that, drag particularly i'm a big trump fan that drag him through the mud but at the same time <laughs> not even trump is your savior trump ain't your savior no, these republican right. politicians these conservative politicians they're not your savior maybe not some of them values line up with ours but they are not your savior yeah That's i mean I, I, I admire ron DeSantis. you know yeah yeah best politician i've ever seen in my life i know he's gonna save this country sure ain't they gonna save the world, and and if if the, nope. if the save country, exactly, and if the country did get behind him, it would be a temporary thing, and they just flip back the next four years. <laughs> right, I've been watching it for the last fifty years. They just flip back and forth. 
because they have no resolve to be righteous. They don't want to walk with God. That's the problem with our country. Mm -hmm. They don't want to walk with God. And the only thing that's going to change it is going to be another problem like we had with the Civil War. That changed it for a while. But even that change didn't last, but maybe two generations. All right. So when one member is in pain, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members will glory with it. So this is the unity that you're going to see being woven into the tabernacle that Bezalel and Oholiav are about to build, that we're going to read about. Could you elaborate on what you just said? Which part? When you said you you quoted 26 and then you referenced Bezalel and the other one. Yeah, but I'm 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 saying that we're seeing a spiritual unity in this passage mm -hmm. that we're going to see physically in the building of the tabernacle. In other words, everything had to fit perfectly together. That's the only point that I'm making. Okay. It's, I'm kind of circling back around and saying that, yeah, they were building a physical thing, but it was being done through the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And so it's flipped for us. We're building a spiritual thing that's being done through our, the, the physical power of our bodies, but the Ruach is there driving us to build this spiritual thing. And we lose sight of the spiritual. We keep our focus all the time on the natural. And when I say we right now, I'm talking about the body of Messiah. We focus on what we can see and hear and touch. And we're supposed to be focusing on, on what we cannot see, but what we perceive through the eyes of God. And that is that person right there is in the same body as I am. Mm -hmm. To take Alicia's analogy, that person right there is one member in this same entity that I am in, and I'm, I, I'm not separate, I'm not divided, I'm not, you know, we're not at odds with each other. The problem is from the outside. That's where the problem is from, is from the outside. Yeah. And the way that I identify whether or not I'm talking to another member of the body, again, is through the confession of Yeshua. Mm -hmm. All right. But the tabernacle was put together and it had to be done specifically. And when it was done, it was good. It stood. Like I said, it stood for 40 years. <laughs> so I just had to go get this because I, I read this today. It's uh, Proverbs um, 29, 18. And it just spoke. It kind of jumped out at me where there is no vision. The people are unrestrained. Mm -hmm. And that's it just to me, it just said everything that we're seeing. You said 18? Yeah. 29, 18. Yep. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's it. Who follows Torah is happy. Yeah. Very good. Yep. So this kind of spoke to me today because it seems, especially after the election, I had a day of picking myself up from that because yeah. it was very, very disappointing. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, the red trickle. The red trickle, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. yeah. We still don't know. <laughs> yeah. This country is lost. 
Yeah, it, 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 there's, there's definitely holes in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, back to Shemot. We are in chapter 36. I just want to say I'm really grateful for all of you guys <laughs> because we are in a sink, on a sinking ship, but maybe we have a lifeboat. Yeah, we got a little dinghy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, I really feel where you're coming from on that though, Shelly, because you y'all are all right. We are in a sinking ship, but we do have each other to go through this with and we we know how it ends. You know what I'm saying? Like we mm-hmm. said earlier, none of these dudes in this world are our savior. It's Messiah. We know what the what the what what's coming, you know, but I'm glad we got white we have each other. Yep. All right. Amen. They received to Moshe all the offering which B'nai Israel had brought for the work of the consecrated service wherewith to make it. And they brought yet unto him freewill offerings every morning. So you could say that we have something to bring to the body of Messiah every morning spiritually. And that's what Joe was talking about. I know he does it. He knows I do it. We pray for the body. Every single morning. I know my wife does it. We pray for the body every single morning. And, you know, needs that I know people have come to my mind and I call them before God, not because he's dumb to it, not because he's not listening, but because he wants us participating in this. He wants to extend himself to this earth through us. And he does that when we submit to him in prayer. And so, you know, there's places in the, the book of Hebrews that say that we, and, and in Second Peter, I think it is, that our prayers and supplications are our sacrifices. They are spiritual sacrifices that we bring before God. So, you know, I, I think I've walked y'all through the temple when we talked about the Siddur, that we're actually entering into the gates and we're going up to the, the, the burn off the burnt offering altar. We're going over to the brazen sea. We're going up the steps. We're going up to the menorah and the altar of incense. And then we're going into the Holy of Holies. We're doing that every morning. All Everything that we do is service in his body. And it's for the purpose of extending him into this world. It's like I said, pushing the light deeper into the kingdom of darkness, pushing the walls of darkness away from his people. And we, if we think in, in, the, in the order of a battalion of soldiers that are knit together by the arms, you know, close knit so that no one can get in between us, somebody on my back, somebody on your back, we can win this thing. You know, we can see people delivered of their sin, you know, repentant over their sins, delivered of their oppressive behaviors and, and and, you know, healed in their bodies, healed in their minds. A lot of people don't realize how sick people are in their minds because of their bodies sometimes, you know. And, you know, if we're, if we're doing that every morning, bringing those free will offerings, it just, you know, God, it, it doesn't. What am I trying to say? We're not compelled it's not human nature, I should say, perhaps, to want to wake up and tend to everybody else's needs first. No, we're selfish. We're selfish. So if we're doing that first, then we're already overcoming self. That's good. 
in contributing to the body of Messiah. And that's a, a habit that I've tried to be in for the last 15, I don't know how many years. I've, I've told y'all, I rarely pray for myself anymore. Rarely. Rarely ever do I ask God for things and stuff and situations for me. Rarely. Most of the time I do the prayers and I pray for you guys. And right now, Melanie and I are having, we have a big decision that we're trying to make. And yeah, I might mention that to God, but it's not like I'm sitting there begging him over it, belaboring it to death. I'm more concerned about your issues. I'm more concerned about Deanne and and Maureen and, and, and your loved ones whose names I've heard and some names I've forgotten that, that you're, you're praying that God would save them or bring them in or whatever it is. I'm concerned about all that. And in the morning, I'm concerned about that first. And I believe that's what we're seeing here on a spiritual level is they brought the things that were necessary to get the building of the, of the tabernacle done. And that's what we have to do every morning. Mm. And all the wise men that wrought all the consecrated work came every man from his work, which they wrought. You don't know that it's the more that we start praying that, how the gifts of God might manifest in some of you guys. I'll never forget the first time that I did prophesy because I, I have before and I had a vision, a literal vision. I was in front of 20 unsaved people, one of whom was hostile to faith. And I've told y'all that story before. When God put in my mind the problem that this suicidal young man was having and I saw his whole life in front of my eyes, in my mind, and I had to say something to him. And if we unify, God will do that through y'all. And you won't even recognize what you're doing. You're just reacting to someone who brought their need before you. And God gave you, just like he gave to Bezalel and Aholiav, whatever the solution is, he gave it to you in, your, in your, the words that you say, the gift that you give, the mm -hmm. laying on of hands that you do, something. God gave you the solution just because we're sitting there praying and bringing what the body needs every morning. Am I way off? Am I out there in left field? No, I don't no, think so. Really good. Yeah. You're right on, brother. You're right on. You're about to hit home base. Isn't isn't that um is that what we can imagine or think of Yeshua as doing for us every day? He's in heaven, he's our Kohanagadol, he's lifting Absolutely. our needs up in prayer. Mediator. He's our mediator. Yeah. If, if we get accused and he's standing there between us and the accuser. Absolutely. And I, that is a, that is an absolute, that's, that's an, a, you know, the courtroom of heaven is very real. And I feel it when the accuser is standing up there telling God that I'm a horrible person. I feel it. And then I go, I turn to my attorney and I tell him what happened. And I confess if I did anything wrong and if I didn't do anything wrong, I tell the situation and guess what? He takes care of it. Dismissed. <laughs> That's right. What you got, Joe? Well, this may or may not go right along with this conversation, but this popped in my head. This is one thing we're talking about the unity of the body and it's not whatever. The one thing that drives me more crazy than anything, you run into somebody that you know, say you're 
at H-E-B, you're at Walmart, you're whatever, you're grocery shopping, you, you run into an old friend you ain't seen in a while, and how you doing, blah, 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 and you start talking back and forth, and someone says, well, I'm dealing with this and this. Okay, I'll pray for you. And they walk, and then y'all walk away, and you forget. You know, there ain't no praying going on. There ain't no praying going on. I, yeah. I, I've made it a point. I will pray for you right now in front yeah. of everybody in this place. Let's do this. Yeah. And number one, that proves it. I mean, you don't have to prove anything to nobody, right? Oh, you I, kept I, your word. Keep your word. You 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 proved like you're gonna pray for them right then and there, but the rest of these people around are gonna be like, why are these people praying? Mm -hmm. They might ridicule, they might whatever, but you know what? You will be hated for his sake. Yep, you can be hated for it. So you know what? Just do it. Just do it. I mean, that's one thing that bothers me. The out of out of all the things that believers of all walks say, I'll pray for you. Oh, oh, I, I'm so sorry to hear about that. I'll pray for you. No, do it now. Yep. Just do it. I get, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, that reminds me of something. I had a, had several Indian friends, um, Indian from India, not Indian from America. Um, and we were sitting around one time getting to know one another. And, and, uh, one of them turned to me and said, I forget exactly how he started it, but he said something like, can I ask you a question? And I, and I said, sure. And he said, in, 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 and I hate to do it in the Indian accent, but I almost have to. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, everybody says hi, but they don't mean it. Hey, how yeah. are you doing? And then they just go on. They don't, they're not uh, asking how am I doing? <laughs> yes. Good yeah. gravy. Yes. And I'm like, hey, yeah, that's it's just it's, it's fake, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's habit or it's fake. It's a fake habit, if you ask me. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, if I ask someone how they're doing, I'm genuinely interested in how they're yeah. doing. And I want to, yeah. you know, and so I think that's the first thing. And if you do take an interest, guess what? That opportunity is going to come open to pray. I promise you, people are looking for it. Yeah, it does. You know, it, it does, y'all. At the shop, we have people that come in, and sometimes you just see how how depressed they are. You see this weight on them, and and for some reason, they want to start talking, and then they ask, you know, if we're Jewish, and it just it just kind of leads, and I start talking about Yeshua, and and all this, and then I just look at them and say, "Is it okay if I pray for you?" And I get to pray for them. And, you know, it, it's just those little things yeah. and getting outside of who you, yourself is and focus on the person that's in front of you so that Yeshua can work through you and just to be able to pray for somebody. And yeah. You and Joseph are so have such a beautiful spirit that I don't see how anybody is not attracted to y'all and want to have y'all pray. <laughs> y'all are the best. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It has been a it has been a rough couple of months because I haven't been hearing that in my head at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Daniel, to your lawyer. It's, yeah. yeah, I do, and it's like Daniel says. Yeah, I, you know, Yeshua, you, you know, you're there. I need you. I love you. I know you're there. I trust in you, and I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna knock the the Hasatan in the face, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
All right. So on that note, the people bring much more than enough. They spoke an emotion and said the people bring much more than enough for the service of work, which Yahweh commanded to make. So I want to look at that verse a little more deeply. That's verse five. Marbim ha'am lehavi lamlacha. There it is. The service of the work. The service to the kingdom, you could say. All right. Wouldn't that be nice? The people bring more than is enough. Marbim ha'am lehavi midday. Midday is rooted in the word die. What does die mean? Enough. 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 Yes, enough. That's right. So this is more than. Midai. Midai. Enough. More than enough. Mm. All right. Much more than enough. That's what you're seeing in those two words. Much more better than good. Of the, the service, the work, that word is the word for work of the kingdom. All right. Which Yahweh commanded la'asot to be done. All right. So that's what we should be praying for. You know, we have that on a on a financial level at Mikdash Mayat right now. We're we're good, and we don't have to talk about money. I don't even, you know, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the service of the work. The people are bringing themselves for the work of the kingdom. The things that need to be done in the kingdom in order to advance the kingdom. That's what we need to pray for to have more than enough of, because what did Yeshua say? The fields are white to harvest, but there are few who labor. That's always the problem in the kingdom of God. There are too few people wanting to do the work. They want the glory. They want the crown. They don't want to do the work. <laughs> what you got, Joe? I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Yeah. And I've told a few people this that I'm very close with in this congregation. But I've only been there a couple of times, a few times, blah, blah, you know, and, and a very few times considering that way. Let's say it that way. But what I have seen is that Yosef is always there bringing out the chairs, tables, whatever. He sets things up. He breaks things down. And he never gets recognition for that he's not looking for recognition i know that i know that about yourself but, but no, hey, just chill out brother let me let me bring on you for a minute <laughs> but but the point being is that that he's not asking for help he probably doesn't need the help he probably knowing him does not want the help but if anybody wants to build the kingdom of messiah they don't have to be standing in your place, Daniel. They can help yourself set up and tear down. They can help make coffee. They can, there, there's things that I want to be there. I'm 
three hours away. I can't be there. I want to be there so bad. And, and I can't, I, I can't stand it, but, but, but there are so many little things that you're talking about that need to be done that have to get done that if you want to serve, there are ways to serve without being front and center and your name plastered on a sign out in front, blah, 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 whatever, like we've been talking about. There are so many little things. And so I just want to honor those who do the things that they do yeah, and, and encourage those who encourage others that, that might hear it to say, Hey, you know what? Let's just jump in and help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we do, we have, and you know, Albert is there regularly throwing up the camera and helping mm-hmm. throw up the word oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Jim, Jim. And I, I try to sing their praises every once in a while and, and privately and publicly, you know, Jim's always helping, you know, beyond measure. Um, so we, you know, it might sound like I'm, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm trying to chase in this congregation because they're not doing anything. I'm not, I'm trying to encourage people who are watching to jump in the mix, you know, um, not just congregants, but people worldwide. If, you know, there are people that are parts of other congregations and maybe they're, they're looking for a spot. And I think for the leadership of anybody that's leading a group, they have to pray that these people are, are given the power of the Ruach HaKodesh and, and find their role, what God has anointed them to do. And that's really the key is what, what did God anoint you to do? You know, and sometimes I have known what that is and sometimes I don't, and sometimes I get it wrong. Um, but I, I can guarantee you this, I'm looking for it more keenly now. I'm praying for it uh, more keenly now for this little tiny congregation uh, but, um, you're absolutely right. There's, there's always something that's, that, that we can do in it, you know, and the, the, I think the key is, is to go back to the Ruach HaKodesh and say, what is it that God is that, what is the spot that God has designed for me? And that, that might be a temporary spot. It might be perpetual. Uh, I don't know, but, one thing that I don't like to see, and I've seen it a lot over the last 15 years, is people say, God told me to do this, and it lasts for three weeks. Right. <laughs> Either God didn't speak to you, or you don't listen. Because <laughs> you were told to do it, and you ain't doing it no more. Right. And that bothers me. That scares me for people. I, I can't tell you how many times people have said, it is my job to do thus and so. Yep. It lasts for three weeks to a month and bye. And, and I guess they expect me to remind them, I'm not going to do that. I've already seen as a dictator by some people, I'm not going to do that. So find your role and do it. Find the job that God told you to do <laughs> and, and do it. Right? Right. So again, uh, I, I want to wrap this up real quick because I'm I'm singing Joseph's praises and this and that, whatever, and I love Joseph and Jeanette. But I also want to say this: I don't know who all now is involved. I know Jim's involved. I know Albert's involved. I know there's different people involved with the media to making those of us who are remote have the ability to to see. And there's technical difficulties that happen. I get that. I mean, we and we. What it happens, right? But I want to just say thank you to those who are helping to, to allow me and others 
from where we are to th those are the little things that y'all might think those are little things. Those are big things. I look forward to that time and all of y'all Joseph makes it available for those who are there, puts the chairs out. Everybody else makes it available for those who can't be there. You mm -hmm. know, all those who are involved in that media, that is a big, big, big deal. And thank you. I mean, all right, we're kind of wrapping up on time. I think I want to cover one more verse. And every wise hearted man among them that rocked the work made the Mishkan with 10 curtains. All right. So we're starting to get into, with that verse, we're starting to get into sort of the minutia, the details of the building itself. Um, but if you look at that verse, verse 8. Wise hearted. All right. We, we talked about this several, I think it's been probably five or six years ago where we did a spiritual warfare study and we actually looked at the human makeup. And the Lev is the heart, but everybody knows it's not the physical thumping organ in the chest it is but it's not it's the king of the house the heart is a house or your body your temple is a house that's what the bet is and the heart is the king of it so it's whoever is guiding your heart that's where the problem is people say follow your heart Yep. Warning sign. You better not follow your heart unless Yeshua is the one sitting on the throne. That's actually satanic doctrine. Ex absolutely. Yes, it is. Your heart is abundantly wicked and deceitful above all things. But a wise heart is one that is surrendered to the king, which is what that Lamed is a picture of, the king, the shepherd king. It's a shepherd's staff, but it's also known as the king of kings because it's the tallest letter. Mm -hmm. So king of the house, the king of the house, the, the it's the motor. Your heart is the motor. It's where your motive comes from. And so kind of wrapping this up, our motive is the building of God's kingdom, spreading light and putting out darkness, exterminating darkness. Do you realize that? I'll never forget when Jake was about four years old, I went into his bedroom to tell him good night. And he said, turn on the darkness when wow. I started to leave. And, and it just, it made me think about the, the uh, opposition of light and dark. Because in his mind, it was turning it on. And he didn't know the science behind it, that you don't turn on darkness. You actually turn off light. But do you get the point that I'm trying to make? Is it, yeah. You know, light exterminates darkness. Right. It vanquishes it. Mm -hmm. And that's our purpose. And, and when that is the motivation of our heart to do the work of the kingdom, 
you don't get tired doing it. You get tired, but you don't. Mm-hmm. You get fatigued, mm-hmm. but you don't give up. No, because you know that light has to win. The light has to be on. We have to, we have to advance the light of God in this ugly, dark, sick world that we live in. Amen. And so that's what we're praying for is people with the wisdom of heart to do the kingdom work of the Mishkan. All right, so we're going to end there. Any thoughts? Melanie has a thought. Yep. Melanie's kind of echoing what Joe said. We are very blessed to worship with the people we worship with because they all have servants' hearts. Um, it, it is something to guard and protect, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, it and definitely is. We need more people to find their place, not in the sense of, oh, I belong, but in the sense of this is what God called me to do. Everybody belongs, mm-hmm. right? Anybody mm-hmm. that walks in that door that confesses Yeshua belongs. Yes. And I want them to feel that there shouldn't, that should never be a question, but finding their place in the sense of what did God anoint me to do? Because if you are a Mashiach, if you are Messianic, he anointed you for something. And I would like to think that it's not for all of us to have our little separate ministries that we share uh, every once in a while, which is what I see the kingdom breaking up into, but, where we all join our collective talents together to do one thing together, like a, like a, like an army unit, you know? All right. Got people falling out on me and joining back in. Well, Betsy uh, just texted me and said her internet cut out on her. So, so did Joseph's. One of our three Yosefs. We got three yep. Yosefs. <laughs> yep. All right. Avina Malkanu, in the name of your son, Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach, we give thanks for all of your blessings. We thank you for your word. We ask you to correct our error. We ask you to uh, share your truth with this world around us and, and uh, show our hearts to those who watch that don't know us, Abba, that we simply want to serve you. And we ask you to be with us and protect us and guide us through the the short remainder of the week um, and assemble with us when we gather on Shabbat as your sanctuary. Amen. 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 All right. Betsy says good night to everybody. (laughs) Hello. Are you familiar with Apophis? Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast, as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. 
Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.